0: Listening to Beltway Beef, official commentary from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's Washington, D.C. office. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beltway Beef. This is Ashley, and I'm joined by Kent Backus, who is NCBA's self proclaimed trade guy, um, working on all of our trade and international market access issues. So, Kent, Welcome back to the podcast.
1: Always good to be here.
0: So there has been a lot in the news about trade and labeling lately. So I just wanted to get you on to talk about NCBA's stance on trade. So can you just give us a refresher on our beliefs on trade and, and why we think it's important?
1: Yeah, I, I think very, very simply put is that you know we support science-based, market-based trade. Which means that you know we believe in objective rules uh, that are that are clear and easy to understand, and that allow you know our producers to uh, to develop markets and not be subject to uh, political winds and in, in different uh, that that blow in different directions. Uh, so. When you look at some of the the recent developments uh, that have happened, obviously there's a lot of disruptions in global supply chains. And for a lot of other countries, their farmers and ranchers have seen, uh, I would say, probably harder times than what we have seen. Now, I'm not saying that it hasn't been rough on, on us, but one of the benefits uh, that our producers have had is to have market access into some very important markets. Uh, and so, with all the volatility that we've seen over the last couple of years, one of the, I guess, one of the saving graces that we've had is the fact that, that we had, you know, market access to China, to Japan, to Korea, uh, to to export a lot of very important products that Americans are not buying and to help us maximize the the total value of that carcass. Uh, But we've also had, uh, even with all the ups and downs in Latin America, uh, our sales have continued to grow there too. So uh, having export access has has been important in helping us uh, not be completely dependent on one market. Being able to diversify that into to... to, uh, to market our beef in as many markets as possible means that we have more competition. And uh, it means we have more competition for our product, which gives us a little more leverage. And that's what cattle producers always want, is greater leverage. Uh, so that's been a really important thing. But we've also seen uh, you know a lot of uh, issues around imports and access to imports, and uh, but also you know questions about some of the product coming into our country. Uh, so you know the United States is one of the most open markets in the world, and by that I mean that you know a lot of countries are able to sell their goods here. Meat is one of those items where it is much more restricted. And that's because the sanitary and phytosanitary uh, standards are so high. So for any country to gain access to the U.S., it takes years for them to be able to do that. And so that's why we only import meat from a handful of countries. You know, Traditionally, that's been Mexico, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. And then recently, in the last few years, Brazil was added to that mix. We have a lot of issues with Brazil gaining access here, and it's not because we're worried about the competition. It's because we're worried about their reputation, their reputation for reporting animal health diseases in a timely manner, Uh, for the food safety issues that they've had which got them shut down a few years ago. NCBA has been actively engaged and making sure that our government holds all of our trade partners, including Brazil, at a a same standard that we have. And it has to be that high standard. So given the atypical cases that happened last year, We've asked USDA to re-engage and and to restrict or to suspend Brazil's access to the U.S. until a thorough audit and investigation can be conducted. We need a complete top-to-bottom review of their whole system. And it's not just on the animal health side, but the food safety side, too. We need to make sure that that anything that comes into this country is not going to jeopardize the reputation and and the trust that we have developed with American consumers. Uh, But it's also important to keep in mind, imports are still a very, very small... Amount of the market. Only 11% of beef that's consumed in the United States is from an imported source. And 75% of that is lean beef trimmings. And that's used uh, for a lot of uh, the hamburgers and stuff that we make. So it's not a high value product that's coming in displacing uh, that. Uh, it really is something that we use to combine with our fattier trimmings. And, and so it's important, you know, not to uh, to confuse the the issue here. Uh, but moving forward, you know, we're going to continue to ask our government to to prioritize that science-based trade in all forms and to hold our, our you know, importers and other people accountable.
0: Well, I think that's really important just to make sure people understand where NCBA stands and what we're doing, because there's been a lot in the news about the total food supply chain and especially in regard to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So a lot of concerns around the food supply, around trade there. Can you just give us an overview of how that might affect um, a U.S. trade deal uh, with the U.K. and, you know, the beef supply chain in general?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, the last two years, most of the supply chain disruptions were were due to COVID. And now uh, with Russia's invasion of Ukraine, it's thrown a, a giant wrench in the system. Uh, and so, you know, the Ukraine uh, Ukraine exports primarily to European countries, African countries, the Middle East. And with that being displaced, it's caused a lot of instability. So we've seen a lot of indirect effect there. But it's impacting our input costs. It's impacting, uh, you know, a a lot of other issues. You throw the drought on top of that, and you know it, there's just a lot of instability there. I think for us, it's also elevated uh, the the concept that we we need to secure our supply chains. We need to strengthen our supply chains, and as a country, that's something that the Biden administration, Capitol Hill. A lot of us within industry have been reviewing, saying, "Okay, what do we need to do to make things better?" Uh, and who do we need to trade with? Who can we depend on? And NCBA has been very clear that we need to prioritize trade with our allies. It's it's interesting that we trade with so many with so many other countries, but one country where we don't have a trade agreement and don't really have strong. Uh, market access terms is the United Kingdom. A lot of that's because they were part of the EU for many years, but now that they have have left the EU uh, under Brexit, uh, they're free to negotiate terms of trade with anyone they choose. And uh, we were very supportive of the Trump administration, you know, seeking that bilateral agreement with the UK. Uh, Biden administration's walked back from that and they've definitely uh, taken a more inward look. Uh, They've also talked about an Indo-Pacific economic framework. I think there are things here domestically we obviously need to focus on. There's obvious that we need to have a stronger position in the Indo-Pacific, but we can't leave this bilateral agreement with the UK just lying on the table. This is a natural fit for us. We have a lot of similar production standards. We both value Science-based trade, uh, the, the UK will be a good ally for us in a lot of those international forums. So, uh, you know, the, it seems like a pretty, uh, pretty clear, you know, step forward for us. It's definitely something that that we want to support. Uh, but the administration's been hesitant, and so, you know, we've been working a lot with Congress and trying to uh, have a renewed energy and a renewed spirit uh, you know, for trade. Uh, it's going to take a lot to get that going again. So, it's important for everyone out there to engage with their members of Congress. Congress and say, hey, it's time for the U.S. to to re-engage. We can't lead from the back. We got to be out front. We have to be negotiating and securing these trade terms with all of our trade partners. And
0: speaking of being out front, you and and your team here at NCBA has really done a really good job about making the beef industry, you know, kind of center stage in making some of these trade deals. And you traveled over to the UK with Ethan Lane, our vice president of government affairs, and then Don Schiefelbein, our member president, to talk about why a trade deal is so important, but also to talk about High quality US beef and our production standards and, and practices here.
1: Yeah, I, I think the, the, the big uh, the main focus of our trip to London and, and other parts of the UK was was to set the record straight. Uh, let's be honest. You know, for 40 years, uh, uh, British consumers have lived under that EU mindset where technology is bad, and that you know, food production efficiencies come at the cost of food safety or animal health or animal welfare, and uh, it, it's just completely wrong. Uh, we we know it. The science backs up what our production standards are, and I think you know, part of uh, part of the focus of, of our trip was just to have those you know straightforward conversations to be able to to talk to each other and to say, look, there's a lot of similarities in how we produce food. Here's why we use these technologies. Here's why we both have uh, these these production standards. You know, we talk about quality assurance program, BQA, the Beef Quality Assurance Program is very popular here in the the U.S. About 85% of the beef that we're producing is produced under BQA standards. Similarly, in the U.K., they have the Red Tractor Program. And if you look at them, they're almost identical in so many ways. And so just being able to connect with producers over there and with their, uh, you know, uh, government officials and decision makers to help explain that it really does correct the narrative now it's going to take a lot more than that and that's why we're going to continue to to meet with their officials a lot of it will be virtual for uh, foreseeable future uh, but uh, you know, we're going to meet with their officials we're going to meet with a lot of other uh, industry stakeholders and just build that trust you know we're also going to have to engage with consumers uh, but you know We can't leave all this on on our government to go and secure this that's a very important thing that they have to do but we have to be there to kind of lay the groundwork and help build that trust we've had to do this in in other countries before and it's always paid uh in in good dividends in the end uh so you know we're going to host Their producers, their officials, when they come here, we're going to continue to reach out to them. Uh, You know, I know that a lot of our affiliates are going to be traveling, too. Their government, the state governments are are very involved. We definitely encourage that. I think the more conversations that we can have, the more involvement, the better. Uh, But, you know, we look forward to to working uh, towards a bilateral agreement, hopefully in the next couple of years. Uh, but it really is going to take a change of heart from the administration.
0: Well, Kent, thank you so much for being on and for giving us just that 10,000 foot overview of everything that's keeping you busy lately. And I'm sure we'll have you back on the podcast soon to talk more about the progress that's happening with that trade deal. This has been another episode of Beltway Beef. Don't forget to check us out online at policy.ncba.org or catch the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, including SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts.